welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and with me today, I have Paul Montgomery back in the chair. Hello. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Um, so, uh, as per usual, uh, Paul and I are going to be talking about the Eighth Doctor Adventures from uh, Big Finish Audio. Specifically, we're talking about Series three of the eighth doctor adventures with lucy miller um but we're gonna we're gonna actually divide it up because uh they changed the uh the structure in uh series three they made they get a little playful yeah yeah um for the first two series they just had sort of like 45 minute episodes very much like um you know they were aping the rusty davies era and knew <laughs> who uh and then uh, this season they decided that they were do uh two half hour episodes per story so each story is a full hour um and uh you know eight hours for one episode is a lot so <laughs> mm-hmm. um so we decided to to cut it down we're just going to do the first four and then we're going to come back in a few weeks and and do the the second half um but before we do that, uh, Paul, you haven't been on the show since Series 8 aired. Yeah, so, it's been a while. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious. Um, I remember, I think, actually, I think it was the last episode of the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast, which is why I didn't I didn't plug it at the top like I normally do, mm-hmm. um, uh, was uh, the Deep Breath episode, right? You guys talking about that premiere, and then uh, I never really heard anything more from you. Yeah, it's been a while. That. We weren't yeah. sure. I, I think I think I might have like got a cold or something like in the middle of that, and so I didn't end up doing an episode by episode, you know, or or even a wrap up. So, mm-hmm. um, but I really enjoyed the uh, the season and uh, and followed along with uh, with the guys who usually do the uh, the fuzzy typewriter shows. So so Brian and, and Jay and. Uh, I think it just it sort of went from strength to strength, and uh, it's a pretty strong season. Um, it's 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 been a while, so I'm, I'm a little bit rusty. But I just in general, I you know I really like Capaldi's Doctor, and especially as like a as a contrast from you know the past two, mm-hmm. um, ignoring you know sort of Tennant's sort of uh, shift to the to the darker side towards the end of uh, of his tenure. Um, but I think we, you know, we've had some some lighthearted doctors, and now it's nice to kind of just have a have a grouchy, grumpy doctor, and uh, and plays really nicely, um, you know, with uh, with Miss Coleman, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's it's a it's a nice dynamic. It's almost it's almost kind of archetypal, like it's it's a very simple relationship, like. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of see it in in other things, but it works really really strong here. And I'm glad that she's decided to stay on with the show and and do a bit more um, because I think it's just sort of gotten interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, their relationship is probably the most uh, classic Who that that the the new show has felt mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really like the two of them. I think that she really came into her own. I think she needed her own doctor. Um, yeah. As you know, I, I think most companions, like some companions just don't work with, with certain doctors. I'm in, I'm probably in the minority, but like, I don't think that Rose worked particularly well with David Tennant. Mm. Um, I don't think that uh, he got a really great companion until like, I loved Martha, but I think her and Don or him and Donna are probably like the, the companion duo. Um, for, yeah, there's there's really strong chemistry there, right? And, um, and uh, and so yeah, I think we have like another one of those with uh, 
with with Jenna Coleman and and Peter Capaldi. Um, I think they're, I just think they're so good together and I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do with them now that they're sort of established. Um, but you know, there's also the fear that cause the last time that Moffat had a really good season, it was series five. Um, and then everything sort of, uh, fell apart after Mm. that. Um, so hopefully we don't get a rerun of that. Um, that would that's that's the only thing that's a little scary. A little mm, scary. Yeah, it just it just felt like a, felt like a new energy to it. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the the first episode back, which I think there there's there was a little bit to shake off from, you know from uh, from Smith's run, mm-hmm. um, and I, started, I I just I felt so bad. Um, you know, you have Smith's you know regeneration um, into Capaldi, and you have the moment with uh, sort of the the mirage of Amy Pond coming back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's kind of awkward. Like you have a new companion right here and <laughs> you've had some, some meaningful time together, even though it was, you know, relatively shorter. Um, so I, anyway, so I'm glad that these two can kind of, they, they feel like the, it's, you know, this is going to be the special relationship for, for both of those characters perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, let's, <laughs> let's move on from the eighth series to the eighth doctor and, uh, talk about, uh, series three of the eighth doctor adventures, starting with Orbis, um, which is the, uh, the series premiere written by Alan Barnes and Nicholas Briggs. Um, this story takes us because the thing that I, I forgot because it had been so been a while because usually it wouldn't have been this long between uh, us covering these except that the uh, series eight happened so mm-hmm. um, that that just planted like thirteen weeks right there. Um, well, so, it kind of works out that way because the doctor had a bit of a, a hiatus himself. He took a fall at the end of uh, series two, right? And now we have to go find him again. Right. And I had, I'd actually forgotten that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming into this, it was like, oh, right, amnesia doctor or what have you. Right. Um, I forgot about that. And uh, so he's on this planet. Um, he's on Orbis uh, and he's befriended these sort of jellyfish-like people um, the that are the Molluscari. Um, or no, is that right? No, that's the, the other. The aliens, molluscari right? are the yeah, they're the other guys. Yeah, they're the, they're the bad guys. Um, but uh, the 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 jellyfish like people um, are, and and it's interesting because I actually I actually until she kind of turned and made that big mistake toward the end, I really liked the doctor's jellyfish companion. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she was really fun. Um, but there was a, there was a nice uh, sexual tension between the two, <laughs> yeah. or at least on her part, <laughs> right? And it's and it's something that that works so well in audio um, because we like we can just it it just sounds like a person. It's just that there's not a whole lot of um, you know audio modification or filtering or anything going on with the jellyfish like people. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Molluscari, there's there's something a little bit weirder going on but i think that's that's the real fun of this episode is that it's it's kind of so out there and it would look really silly on tv um mm-hmm. and it is kind of a silly concept it's killer clams versus jellyfish people and the right. doctor helping them build like a new you know the, the the tragedy in this episode is what the the um the water coming over and taking out like the hatchery 
uh, the little nursery of the the newborn jellyfish, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it would look kind of like Finding Nemo on TV. Like I don't know what it would exactly <laughs> look like. It's it's kind of it's kind of hard to picture, but right. in audio, it's um it's just really amusing and, and charming. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of the thing I took away from these first four episodes is actually how well they work in audio. Um, especially like this one and probably Weir and Dawn are the two that I was like really impressed with yes. how they were put together um, mm-hmm. as an audio production. Um, but yeah, so uh, we we find the Doctor on this on on this planet Orbis where he's apparently been for six hundred years now. It's really easy to just throw out that number of 600 right. years, um, but we don't actually know how long that is in Earth years. I mean, I assume that's a that, good point. I, ju- I assume they just mean it's 600 years in Orbis years, which could mean you know six months, like it is for Lucy, right? Or it could mean three times that long. Because the thing is. It's it's supposedly six hundred years, and so and when when Lucy comes with the headhunter to Orbis to find the Doctor, um, he doesn't remember Lucy anymore, and it's been right. six hundred years, and he doesn't remember Lucy at all, and so when you compare this to um, the Doctor in Time of the Doctor, where he's on Trenzalore for nine hundred years, and he still remembers Clara just fine. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder what the discrepancy there is um, between the two. No, that's a good point, and and this is this came out before then, right? So this is the the you know I don't know if if they were even aware of this story when they came up with the Trenzalore thing, or if they like heard it but then like filed it into the back of their mind and said, okay, we'll do this nine hundred year plot. Um, I mean, it has to be a significant amount of time for him to forget Lucy, because mm-hmm. how do you forget? Lucy Bleeden Miller. Like, right. It's impossible. <laughs> so it it seems like it, it it would be a significant amount of time. But when you get into 600 years, like, you know, give or take a decade or three, you know, like, right. You don't know exactly how that works. And, and that is a good point. Um, early on, it's the, the Keltons are the uh, the jellyfish like race. Ah, the, the Keltons. The Keltons. And they talk about various generations and they refer to the doctor as old doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he's this constant in their life. Sort of like he's I don't know he's he's like a like a deity or something because he persists longer than their lifespan. Mm-hmm. And kind so of like he's the Doctor just, in Time of the Doctor. Yeah, it's this because yeah, it's the exactly. same deal. He's like when he was like old, he was t- t- uh, calling that um, that kid by this name, and it was somebody from like two generations ago. Right. Um, so so yeah, he was around for a long time there too. I do like that idea that the doctor, if he stays in any any one place for a significant period of time, sort of becomes like an absent-minded professor. And you know, mm-hmm. um, well, because there's this uh, there's this great idea that they still haven't done yet in the show or otherwise. Um, it was a Seventh Doctor story called uh, Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, Morgana Le Fay was the villain, or or at least a, a villain who happened to also be the legend of Morgana Le Fay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she references the f- idea that the Doctor is going to eventually be Merlin. That's interesting. Yeah, like he gets stuck in, you know, the dark times and becomes Merlin for a while. Um, and I find that, 
interesting. And that's something that they haven't done yet. They haven't played with it. But it was the first time that I can think of in Doctor Who where that happened, where they were referencing something in their past that is in the Doctor's future. And sure, like, you know, pick another, you know, myth of uh, of Britain, like like Merlin. That's a, you know, that's, that's, that's a good analog. But it's also kind of appropriate in terms of the, the themes and tropes of the Doctor and that they, his his mythos, his story, his backstory plays a lot with time too. Like that's that whole thing with Merlin aging backwards. Mm-hmm. So that I, I think that's some, that would be that would be something really interesting to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from the fact that these are two icons of you know pop culture right. coming out of England. So I would love to see like Capaldi end his run in Camelot as <laughs> Merlin and then regenerate in the middle of it so that. You know, you get that aging backwards. Yeah, that's okay. That's cool. I think that would be super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, uh, Capaldi is Merlin. Come on, that's (laughs) that would be fun. That would Um, be a lot of fun. Yeah, Um, but yeah. So, so uh, the headhunter wants the TARDIS and tracks down the Doctor. Knows that he's there, but or or how, how does I forget how she gets the TARDIS? He leaves it behind. How did he get to Orbis? All of he, that was a little loose for me. Well, he 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 falls, and then it's sort of those like the I don't know the weird sisters or whatever. They they snatch him out of time. Okay, and he goes through like a portal into into you know onto Orbis. Like you know, uh, Lucy, Lucy's like, oh well, they you know they saved him. They they stopped you know snatched him out of the time stream just before he would have died. That's that's great news. But then they're like, but he could be anywhere. Right. You know, he could be anywhere in reality and time or space and. Um, but the, so the, like the headhunter wants to I like this idea that she wants to like sell the TARDIS, but mm-hmm. it's it's linked to uh, to the doctor mm-hmm. and, you know, Lucy referring to the TARDIS as a she and, and all this stuff that would come into play with that that great uh, Neil Gaiman episode uh, where we actually get the anthropomorphization of the TARDIS mm-hmm. into into a woman. So, uh, you know, all, all seeds for really interesting ideas, maybe throwaway ideas or maybe like, hey, let's do something with this later on. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's kind of the fun with all the various media that the uh, that the Doctor Who stories, you know, play out over and all the different, you know, curators of this story over over the decades that, you know, there's one little seed of an idea that you throw out is just just to just the people, the world, just to um, to make it all the more fantastical. You have these throwaway references to, I think, somewhere in the season, one of these episodes. I think it's this one where where Lucy talks about the the uh, the quick start guide to running the TARDIS. The the uh, oh the adventure. library or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. quick start guide is like sixteen volumes or something to run the TARDIS, and right. she's like, I read the whole instruction manual, all sixteen volumes, and Lucy's like, Oh, well, that's just the quick start guide. If you want the full manual, that's like down this hallway into this big library. It has its own library, and it's more like a road, not necessarily a hallway to get to it. Right. Um, and just to like the you know these throwaway references to to the wider world of the Doctor that we're never fully going to see, but just gets kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the stuff that I I love that these just like tantalizing sort of glimpses into the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- stuff like that is really great. And I also love that they, and I, I don't remember if this happens in series four or in the first series of dark eyes, but they're, they start referencing the time war, like basically like the coming of the time war. Right. Um, that, that starts happening soon too. So like, they're really starting to tie this stuff 
together and um I think that is the, the beginning of Dark Eyes. I think that's where that plays Okay. Out. Um and then and you know, and there's like there there's stuff that um uh or Big Finish seems to be like inching closer and closer to getting to play around with the yes. new who continuity with um with the unit the new unit story mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. doing um which takes place in new who it just doesn't have feature the doctor mm-hmm. um so i think they're getting close uh if if i i i would assume that they have a much more likely chance of getting the tenth doctor in audio, especially considering he's already done he's it. He's done audio stuff, yeah, and he um, has worked with Big Finish before. Right, right. Uh, he played a he played a Nazi in a in a mm-hmm. Doctor Who uh, audio um, before he was the Doctor. Um, but uh, I would really, really love if they could get Eccleston. That would be so amazing. Yeah, especially since you know his his time was so short. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I you know I don't know. That seems like the 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 least likely. I, yeah, I know, but then, but then at the same time, you have to wonder, like, but would he care? Because like all of the things that he he has against it, which is like he doesn't like repeating himself. Mm-hmm. But would he mind if it was just like, oh, you know, you just show up to this booth in your PJs and do your thing, and then you get to go home? It's only a day. Like it's not a big deal, you know? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like maybe, but maybe even higher up on my list than. You know, then Eccleston would be like, you know, some War Doctor stuff would be kind of cool. Oh, that'd be even awesome. even as dour as it would be, but that'd be a I, huge get, though. It'd be a huge get. It would be. It'd be a huge get. Um, but I mean, they have worked with some huge people. They've they've worked with some some big names. And after they were big names or before? Um, because I know they've had they had Benedict Cumberbatch. But that but, was like before. Yeah, that was before. He's a, he's a bigger name, but you know they've um trying to think what are, what are the, the the weird sort of like alternate stories oh i guess that's true sometimes they do get some big names with those mm-hmm. yeah but anyways yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah so that's orbis a, orbis is really fun it's a it's really fun and it's got this great thing there was i uh, it made me it reminded me you know the Molscari of the the leader of the the Molscari is is like male basically at the beginning mm-hmm. but then he's going through a transformation growing his his female genitals or whatever and he's you know tr- going through this transformation which i noticed looking at at least these first four episodes and maybe it tracks through with the rest it's been a while since i've checked those out that the, the latter half of this series mm-hmm. um but there's this motif of transformation of mm. characters starting in one state and then transforming into something else uh, sometimes grotesquely uh, as with the leader of the Molaskari. Now it's go he's going through this this gender transformation, which reminded me of an AC Crispin novel. Uh an author who passed away uh, a couple years ago, um, wrote a Star Wars novel called The Hut Gambit. Oh, I remember Han- that book. Han Solo. And it, it I think she I don't know if she came up with the idea or she just found some arcane thing that huts uh actually go through a gender transformation at a certain age. So like they all sort of start off male or many of them start off male. And then by a certain age, they are female. So if Jabba, Jabba the Hutt had lived to a ripe old age, he would have been, you know, uh, you know, a lady hut. And so I thought that was kind of interesting with, uh, with this. And, th- and of course that happens in nature as well. Um, there are animals like that and nature finds a way. Um, and uh, yeah. And so that the Molaskari go through a transformation and I love the part where um, there's like a they they use pearls for um, like knowledge transformation, 
and uh, he's talking to his like major domo or whatever, and and says, you know, put put it in my reading valve, and it makes these horrible noises of this like of this thing going into you, and you just have to use your imagination. But it's they really had fun with yeah. the, uh, with the audio production on this one. Oh and yeah, I, I I absolutely loved it. Um, and we haven't even talked about out. Lucy yet, who is yeah. just in rare form in this episode. Um, She's I, been shot. Yeah, yeah. I love Lucy in I, I love Lucy in everything, like in mm-hmm. every story. But like here, especially because she's just so. She's just so darn frustrated um, that like Lucy – when Lucy's frustrated, like she's at her best I think. Yeah. Um, and just so frustrated with the doctor like not recognizing her and and just the way that whole situation plays out is uh, so great. So she's great. so annoyed. She, like at first you're like, oh, she's heartbroken like you would be if you know a very good friend you'd been through hell and high water with um, – said that they don't remember you. Um, but then she slaps him because he, he doesn't remember. <laughs> and uh, and this, of course, offends the uh, the uh, Croton or whatever, the, or Kelton, excuse me, who, who uh, has, is smitten with the doctor. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> and there's a, there's a little bit of tension there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, so great, you know, so great world building in this one, uh, the great relationship between, you know, the Doctor and Lucy. The, the, the sort of one thing that uh, I, go, I can go back and forth on is that if the Doctor has been sort of out of the game for 600 years and if he, you know, at the beginning of this doesn't remember Lucy at all, you would think that like over the course of this season that the arc might be about that. But after this episode, it's really not a thing. And part of me is like, well, if they really wanted to do that story justice, and it is kind of an interesting kernel for a story, this should play some kind of a role in the you know the subsequent stories. But on the other hand, I kind of don't want it to bog down all these other great adventures, especially when you don't have as much you know time real estate to play with. To mm-hmm. develop, you know, new characters and, and and you know, thrust these characters into new worlds, and you know, with the, you know, I thought I th- I think they found a going back to S- series eight on TV. I think, you know, they found a really nice balance, um, which is rare because I think part of the problem with previous uh, TV seasons was that they got a little carried away with the more serialized stuff and lost a bit of the episodic fun. Where yeah. I think a lot of the fun of this past season was about doing just episodic stuff, with, right? With just just enough, like you know, follow through. Like you had the, all the you know, Mister Pink stuff going on, right? Um, so from episode to episode, you could follow a trajectory. Um, but anyways, it's it's you know, it's a minor thing. But I feel like there, it's kind of a big deal for the Doctor to be out of it for six hundred years. Yeah. Uh, whatever that, however that six hundred years translates, it, it's enough that he doesn't remember Lucy Miller, and that's significant. So. Yeah, I think it actually translates to more than six hundred years, um, because I just don't buy him forgetting if it's. Yeah. You know, if it's I only. Know. I mean, again, like it happens. It happens before uh, the the Trenzalore stuff, obviously, but. Um, and I mean, I guess they could they could explain some of it away as like he had the the stellar manipulator, and he, uh, you know, the sisterhood, you know, sends him through that, you know, mm-hmm. that that wormhole or whatever. Like that could possibly give you some brain damage, and you'd forget something because, you know, it's not like 
uh, with each new episode this this season, he's learning new things about Lucy. It's like they're back to their their old relationship again. Mm-hmm. So it's just he just had to be reminded. So he had like a temporary amnesia thing. Right. So that's you know, if yeah. if that's what you need to make it make sense, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Six hundred years, man. Six hundred um, years. So that uh, that brings us to Hot House, the second episode of this season. Hot House. Yeah, written by Jonathan Morris. Jonathan Morris. Now this is um, this is a fun one. The setup for this is really cool. I like the I like the teaser for this, where we kind of have a news broadcast um, about this this radical sort of Green Party led by kind of a kind of an analog for I don't know Bono or like Bob Geldof, <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, a pop star who has you know in in his 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 golden years decided that. Uh, people kind of suck and they're, you know, they're, they're doing some really harmful things to the earth and let's, uh, let's give it up for the plants. And, and so you get, you get a fun return to what, what is the classic doctor story? It's a uh, a, seeds of doom, seeds of doom, which is, which was, I was originally going to come on the show to talk about, uh, about that storyline one of my first appearances and then I watched it and I was like I don't know like I wasn't wild about it I like the idea like you know <laughs> I like I like plant monsters and stuff but I thought this this actually took it to a really interesting place and again little transformation thing we have an, an ally in here uh, who becomes you know one of these gargantuan plants and mm-hmm. is is you know one with that sort of hive mind of of the crinoids and and just just a lot of fun again another thing that's that's fun to do with you know a sonic landscape and you know what does you know if you're sitting there with your your house plan it doesn't really make a whole lot of noise but if you imagine that magnified like a gazillion times that you know the creaks and cracks of of trees and stuff um you can do some interesting stuff with the uh with the with the audio landscape of an episode and so this one had kind of a, you know, had a, had a strong sort of villain. He's, you know, he's a crazy person, but he was at least, uh, this Bob Geldof guy was kind of charming and, and charismatic in a way. Um, and I do love those villains that are sort of like, I don't care, all I'm going to wipe out all of humanity and the plants are going to take over the earth and, and animals and stuff. And, you know, we, we've made a horrible mistake and we deserve to be extinct. Um, just because it's so out there, it's such, mm-hmm. it's such like a weird point of view to have. Um, it's not like we should recycle more, and you know we should be better. It's for, at first he's he's being like, okay, well we need to we need to sort of like cull a lot of the human race and just have a limited amount of people. But then it keeps escalating to yeah, everybody's got to go. Like even me, if that, like that, that would be fine. <laughs> he's just all in service to to the green of the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Lucy is um, sort of behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those great stories where, you know, she shows up in the teaser, um, you know, spouting some of the rhetoric like she she ate a ate a pamphlet and is uh, regurgitating, you know, all of the uh, the politics of of this this whole group. And uh, you're like, wait a minute, you know, like is 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 this like a real character change for Lucy? Like, did she fall into this? Like, have she and the doctor been apart for a really, really long time? And now she's, you know, gotten into this, this movement, this radical movement, or is this, you know, as it, 
turns out to be just a ruse so that she's behind enemy lines and they're going to take take out this biodome place from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, I really like this one too. Um I really like the crinoids. I think they're cool. Uh and I think they do uh, they do some really interesting stuff with them here. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the idea of uh, their friend. I can't remember her name, the character's name. Uh, is it, is it Hazel that gets Yeah, her? it's Hazel. That's yeah, right. it's Hazel. Um, Hazel uh, being in control, you know, like being in and out of control as, mm-hmm. as she's like transforming into a crinoid. I think that's cool. Um, Alex Marlowe is a great villain. Um, yeah. And what a great name, Alex Marlowe. Like, Especially for like a char- like a, just a one-off character that yeah. you know yeah. we're just meeting for the first time. And but it's it, he's enough of an analog of like real people, and like you know that I, that idea of a celebrity who has you know sort of gotten to a certain point where they're comfortable, and now they're they're sort of dipping their toes into into politics, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the case with this guy. And yeah, it is a great name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah. So like, I, I really like this one. I think, uh, I, I love the idea of, of Lucy being undercover. Like, I think that that's really cool. And they do some, again, like the sound design in this one is again, like very good. Um, and, and there's just, they, they do lots of really interesting things with the way the crinoid sound and, and, yeah. um, the the fact that like just like little things that you wouldn't even really I don't think you would notice listening to it but things like making it so that it is a a, a kind of sound like a white noise or or like l- loud noises or whatever is what um gives uh Hazel like back control of her body as it's transforming into a crinoid yeah uh, and and you know that's the th- that's the kind of thing where it's like well you wouldn't necessarily have to do that in a visual context but like in audio it just works so well and you don't even think about it yeah it's like it's like the like the venom thing in spider-man you know like it, sonic frequencies mm-hmm. you know they, they lose their their focus and so you have sort of two beings sort of trying to you know vying for control over this this big body and and you and you do get the sense that like in in audio like this is a huge creature. Yeah. You know, you might not have like a crystal clear idea of what it is, but you're like, you know, a lot of green, you know, and yeah. so it's it's not necessarily like an ant or like Groot or anything like that, but it's like just this a big mass of 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 green, of of roughage and mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty cool. I I thought um again, another episode where transformation is a big deal. Right. Um we have the character of Hazel turning into this into this thing um before that they they encounter a guy who is who is in the midst of transforming and he's like losing his mind and it's it's really kind of disturbing um it's not like a piece of audio that i would look forward to listening to again just because the performance is so kind of kind of raw it's like it's a person in pain because they're losing themselves and aside from just the physical stresses of of becoming this new creature and uh, that stuff's really just powerful. So it, it, I think it's a, it's a pretty simple, you know, story. It's, 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 a, it's a fairly basic adventure, but it's elevated by you know some good performances, some really good audio work, and just a, a, a thoughtfulness about okay, what would it actually be like if you were turning into like a giant tree? How would that feel? And also your mind being lost to that, right? So that, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. 
Plus, it has um, that really. I really, really like the moment at the end of the story when uh, the Doctor and Lucy are going to drive back to the TARDIS, and the Doctor realizes he doesn't remember how to drive. Right, <laughs> drive a car. Um, that's. It was just a really like fun moment. I. I just. I think that Lucy and and uh, the Eighth Doctor. They have. They just have such chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, I would, I mean, I assume that they, they record these together, uh, yeah. for the most part, because it's just, it's infectious, um, how much these two characters just love each other. Um, I, 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 I really love that. Absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they bring something out of each other and, uh, you know, wonderful, like, you know, wonderful bickering back and forth, but then also like, just like a genuine warmth between the two. Absolutely. And that's, that's always great when you just have like, when you have a duo, to have them, you know, be able to antagonize each other, but also to, you know, feel deeply for each other as a, as in a friendship. Absolutely. Um, so that brings us to the Beast of Orlock, uh, which is the third story um, of series three, and uh, written by Barnaby Edwards. Um, this has a lot going on. Uh, yes, it does. This has this is uh, this takes place in eighteen twenty seven in Orlock. Uh, Orlock, Germany, uh, and it's about this town where these like grisly murders are happening, um, caused by something that they think like th- there's this legend called the Beast of Orlock that comes with his own little nursery rhyme and everything, uh, and he tears these people apart, and uh, he's been gone for like twenty years, I think. Uh, and so he's become sort of just a legend again. And now uh, it seems like he's back in town and, and killing people again. And what, hap- what what ends up unfolding is a combination of – well, one, the main, the main like monster ends up being a golem, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, – I believe it's a it, – that's a Jewish thing, right? Well, it, yeah. I mean, the it, golem? It's sort of like, like – yeah. Yeah. Um... It's um, and then also like Dungeons and Dragons picked up golems and like so right. it's it's any kind of large monster basically it's a, usually like an elemental kind of creature usually like made out of dirt um and you know in in uh, you know Jewish mythology it's um it's made of clay and right. you you put you know you you carve in a name into its like forehead and it was designed originally to protect a city mm-hmm. um and then. You know, if you change the, the the lettering, you you know it's sort of like that that whole um, tradition of if I know your name, I have power over you. Right. So you don't want to give your real name to someone. Right. That's it's sort of the similar idea that if you if you carve a certain name into it, it can become a destroyer and not just a protector. Right. And so that that's the that's the whole myth of of the golem. Uh, one of my favorite just sort of like um, uh, mythological ideas. Uh, I remember getting out a library book when I was a kid uh, and finding that just so fascinating and then seeing it pop up in all sorts of other things mm-hmm. like it, it you know you can you can summon a golem in like uh, uh, Baldur's Gate and stuff like that right. so and, it, and it's, it's also it's interesting idea. because it, it's interesting how like you I, I see golems popping up a lot actually more re- even recently i remember yeah. i think just a couple of seasons ago i think there was an episode about a golem on uh, supernatural mm-hmm. um but then there's also uh i i almost wonder if the legend of the golem went into the 
creation of of like Wonder Woman. Oh sure, and her origin being you know made of clay and made well, of clay pre New Fifty Two, I guess. Um, but yeah, so so I I I, I really like that idea uh, of the golem. Um, but uh, yeah, so so you have but a as, golem. as with uh, yeah as oh. with any kind of like fantasy story that uh, or or horror story that they take on in a Doctor Who story, um, there's usually like a science fiction root to it. Mm-hmm. So it's not really an occult thing. It's not you know magic. It's it turns out to be really an alien thing. Right. And if you really sort of parse what's going on, like you said, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, if you if you parse all that, it's basically that there's these two children, Hans and Greta. Right. Who are, so you, you like, got Hansel and, Gre- <laughs> Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, Hansel but, and Gretel, right. Yeah. Were ad- advanced um, golem from space. Right. They'll be like space soldiers. Yeah. And... Or it's kind of you know it's 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 almost in a way it's like the clone army from the Star Wars prequels. It's, oh yeah, kind of. You yeah. know, so it's like you, you uh, but there is a certain tradition. But then it also, I, I love when they do this when they take us like that science fiction idea of space soldiers that fall to Earth, and then say, well, what would people in you know the Black Forest in eighteen twenty think about this? And like they would think it's like a you know a falling star, and mm-hmm. you know they wouldn't see it as you know, a space, you know, century, they would see it as a golem or like a big troll or something. They call it a beast because that's the only name they would have for it. That's that's their context. Right. So really, really rich, you know, background to this whole thing. But then also I just loved the the world of this. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting time period anyway. I mean, this is this is where all our favorite fairy tales came from. Right. And you know, the Black Forest. So you get this this Grimm's vibe from the whole thing oh yeah um the characters are just really interesting and vile and um that and the eighth doctor being you know sort of you know the 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 romantic character that he is fits in here perfectly Mm -hmm. like he'd be just this this great sort of wry kind of hero in a in a Grimm's tale he's uh he, he can be very gothic um yeah. yes. which is which is another that's that's the other thing too that i think that this story plays with is uh frankenstein because even even uh, the doctor references the fact that his companion used to be mary shelley mm-hmm. um and or, uh, or is is that after no that no that's that's is that before lucy yeah, that's before lucy mm-hmm. okay it's actually before that. charlie Okay. Yeah, it's it. Mary so Shelley happened so sometime Shelley, between. The, Mary Shelley the, happened sometime between the TV movie and him meeting Charlie Pollard. Oh yeah. Okay, that makes sense because Lucy leads directly into Dark Eyes, and right. Dark Eyes leads directly into this. I forget what the new thing's called. Uh, coming out, um, mm-hmm. something Doom, something Doom Coalition, or something like that. I forget what the new thing's called. I think but then, that sounds. I mean, that sounds very big. It's Doom something or something. Yeah. Doom. Doom and Coalition then, sounds very big finishy. And then that goes into um, the uh, his TV appearance, the uh, the what the Night of the Doctor. Oh, is that right? Well, I mean, that's I, that seems like the the trajectory. Like oh, okay. I, because yeah. back, you know, this you can sort of you, you you kind of can delineate the timeline for the Eighth Doctor by his hair, you know. <laughs> That's true. He's got the he's still got the gothic hair at this point, you know, from the TV movie. Right. Um, yeah. And he so, gets the haircut for dark eyes. <laughs> so so yeah. So there's there's a lot there's a lot going on in this, um, but it's it's really good, and it's it's really um, 
it's really interesting and entertaining throughout, but I think it the last like the last half of the last episode really just like when everything's just starts coming together, like this this is a really good story. It's really impressive. It's I mean, that's the thing as we, as we mentioned, they they were they were doing 45 minute episodes mm-hmm. uh, for the first two seasons and now they're splitting it into two is it two even half hours yeah yeah they're like they're yeah, like then, two like 28 minute episodes something like yeah. that yeah and I, I thought like i i prefer like the sort of hour length but here it's they're they're act- it's closer to a real like you know primetime hour length show mm-hmm with just like a little intermission in the middle. Right. And I was worried that, that it would be more like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like the, you know, the six parters and the, you know, four parters and things. Right. Like it just feels like, okay, we have to come up with, with four different, you know, three different cliffhangers and then a resolution right. and you're constantly, you know, rehashing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like commercial breaks and it's, it's kind of annoying. And mm-hmm. so, but I think this is, this is kind of perfect like you get to have one cool cliffhanger in the middle Mm -hmm. and it works you know sort of like a feature so it's well and uh despite this being eight stories it was actually released um weekly so every you got one episode a week instead of like one story a week um so like each each story took two weeks to be released oh okay that would have been fun yeah, I, it, I mean, I, it, I'm, I'm listening to these all after the fact, so right. but that and it even been cool it came to... out in 2009, which, if you remember, was the year of like very little Doctor Who because it was mm. the, it was the specials, the David Tennant specials, okay, year, um, which is why they they switched their format to this because they're like, oh, we should take advantage of a year with very little Doctor Who, um, and Smart so they, they they did this and and released it weekly so you ended up with 16 weeks of new doctor who stories that's great yeah um yeah so i i really like this story i the one complaint i have with it is sometimes it could be a little precious um it's 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 very quippy this story mm. uh a little little overly so i i did find myself rolling my eyes every once in a while um, just because a lot of one-liners in this. Uh, that's fair, I think. Yeah, um, a lot of one-liners. Like, I remember there was one bit where it was like, where the doctor is like, supposedly knocked unconscious, and uh, Lucy and that guy, is it, who is she talking to? Is it Hans that she's talking to? Yes. I yeah. think, yeah. She's talking to Hans, and then the doctor just says something, and she's like, "Oh, you're awake." And he's like, "He's like, oh, I've been awake. Oh, I've been awake a while, but I couldn't get in a word, uh, word in edgewise." Edgewise. And they, yeah, and they just start doing this little like comedy routine for like mm-hmm. a little bit, um, and it was just like, okay, let wh- why why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, it yeah. So like every every once in a while, this story would do something like that, um, and it just felt a little little too precious for me, um, but. That's fair. Looking at it as a whole, I it's a really, really good, really good. Yeah. Um. So, so that's uh, that's the beast, uh, the beast of Orlock, which brings us to We're in Dawn. Yeah, we're uh, in we're in Dawn. Um, Nicholas again like saying we're in we're in. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, Nicholas Briggs, and those can go either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but a lot of them I really like. And, and of course, you know, without Nicholas Briggs, we wouldn't have something like Dark Eyes, which hopefully we'll get to talk about someday. Yeah. Um, that's, or, a, that's a fun or one. Or any of the Dalek voices ever in any or of any them. of the Dalek voices. That's true. <laughs> um, but Warren, Do- I, I like the Warren. Uh, mm-hmm. Another that they originated with the fourth Doctor? Yeah, his, uh, his second story, his very yeah. second story. That was uh, a... Um, that was a uh, uh, thing of the companion. Uh, oh, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that. That was right in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and a and a crazy pro, you know, crazy, you know, uh, prosthetic suit. Right. Um, With, very made weird looking. Made of bubble very, wrap. Yeah. But Arkham I always like the. But I always like the idea of of that that creature of the of the Warren and it's such well, a cool name. Well, the Ark in Space is actually um you can you can actually track it back to uh Ridley Scott being a massive um Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. Uh he actually like the Ark in Space inspired Alien like a lot. Yeah. Um the And the so this one you, very similar. <laughs> you really think about think about Alien, you think about um you also think about aliens a lot yeah. with this one. Well, I think I think that's what this is supposed to be. Like I think that's big finish like playing Like Ark in with... Space is alien and this is aliens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz this Cause is cuz you have some grunts in here. Yeah, it's yeah. V- it's very action packed and I and I'm listening to it and I was like this is really good. I I'm really enjoying this. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. They've got some really um really strong performances in this. Like when people are yelling, like they're really into it. Like they yeah. They, they like I was like I wondered like you know, you can't just go into this with like a cold read. Like you have to really get into the moment and and be screaming and stuff and um and I was I was kind of taken aback cuz sometimes, you know, they 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 can have really good actors and um, but they they might not be totally they might not have total conviction for like I'm out in the vacuum of space and this is happening and there are alien insects coming at me and oh my god so mm-hmm. this one total conviction um, all around, all across the board and uh, you know uh, the transformation thing uh, coming again with uh, you know the the admiral of this uh, of this colony. Um, they're in in this war between the, the, the humanoids and um, I guess they're human, right? They're the humans. Uh, certain they, they're from Earth. That's right. They say because this is like after Earth starts looking out to the stars and you know having all these colonies all over the galaxy, and um, right. this colony is uh, is at odds with uh, you know a hive of the Warren, and as it turns out. Um, this is the Warren on sort of the last legs of their current queen. Uh, they have been going in and uh, incubating their larva or whatever, gestating in cows, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find out in this story, I guess, they extrapolate that whatever, like like Alien 3, whatever, you know, the, uh, the creature uh, gestates in, they take on some of that form. So, like in Alien Three, you have the you have the uh, bull alien and the dog alien, right? Uh, because instead of gestating inside a human, we get slightly different variations of the xenomorph. And so here, the the Warren are, are gestating inside cows, and um, later on, the the queen refers to them as you know mindless herbivores, and they're just out for survival. They just have total animal instinct, mm-hmm. and this queen is the last of the the, the Warren queens who gestated inside a human, uh, who was a human sacrifice. Um, and God, even the, the idea of like 
the queen because that's not a thing that came in ark in space either this is just straight right. up aliens like it's straight up yeah it's straight up aliens it's it's, it's kind of interesting it's like the yeah. it's sort of uh you know passing the torch like it you know if if it's true that it started in ark in space go into alien alien um you know evolved into you know aliens and right. and alien three um, now I want to go back and listen to the to the Weirin story that uh, the Sixth Doctor did to see if it translates to any alien story. If it's like Alien Resurrection randomly or something. I listen. I, I listened to that one not that long ago, and um, I felt. I, I I mean, here it's I think very overt. Right there, it just felt like it's such a it's such a trope, like aliens that gestate inside other things, and right. That also that had kind of um, uh, the thing kind of like thing oh, vibe. That's right. That was the one that had the thing vibe. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So the, playing with all kinds of different homages, yeah. um, but that was like an Arctic, you know, research base and right, right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so, but this one, uh, you know, Alien Three for the reasons mentioned, Alien Aliens because you have some grunts. Mm-hmm. Basically, like these like mercenaries, like very militarized uh, colonists who are you know up against the aliens and um, very macho, very you know very macho. Which I, I kind of watched. I'd seen snippets of it before, but I watched Aliens kind of like later in life. Like I was in my twenties, and I was kind of turned off by you know the game over, man. Like that that whole thing. Like yeah. it was just very. It was like very over the top. But then I've kind of you know grown to appreciate it, like mm-hmm. like everyone else has. But um, this is so much fun. Um, and and listening to it, I was like, this is really exciting. This is really you know high octane. And I was like, I bet there's a lot of Doctor Who purists who are like, this is way too actiony for a Doctor Who story. <laughs> but I think for this particular Doctor, yeah, and this particular villain. Yeah, it was really interesting. And the other thing, it doesn't end like you know, aliens. It it ends in a very philosophical kind of like Zen Cohen kind of Doctor Who way, where we're trying to decide: well, are are the colonists gonna you know be like the you know the indigenous peoples of this planet who were sacrificing themselves, you know, to the Warren every few generations just to maintain this weird biological truce so that when the Warren queen was based on, you know, was connected to humanity, she wouldn't, you know, stir things up with humans. They would leave humans alone. Um, it's like, it's like that, you know, it's like that Minotaur story, right? It's like every, mm-hmm. every few years they would sac- you know, sacrifice, it was like seven boys and seven girls into the labyrinth, right. You know, for the Minotaur. And this was all penance for, um, for, for the death of the king's son and 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 stuff, so uh, you know, a, a pox on Athens, and uh, this is kind of that idea. You have to make this horrible choice to sacrifice one of your people, you know, to just to. It's kind of like throwing somebody into a volcano, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah. And um, at the end, they have to decide. Well, you know, we're not savages. We're you know, a, a, you know, we're savages in a way, but we're not you know that kind of people, and we're. You know, we're we're an advanced society, you know, or so we think, and um, we would never give up one of our own to to do something like that, to maintain this weird, you know, this this weird covenant with uh, with with these gross bugs. I love that. Um, I love that the kid was like the, the one of the the the, the indig. Um, mm-hmm. 
was saying like oh, it's so gross <laughs> like it's like you know I, I for one thing like he he knew the admiral and he was very indignant about what you know the warren had you know done they attack or they kill her basically to create this new creature and even though her sort of memory is maintained it's still a horrible act and also just they're big bugs they're gross so i I love that kind of pettiness about it you know Mm -hmm. absolutely like we just we we are we're uh, you know we think bugs are repugnant we think that they're they're just disgusting and and less than and so forget the fact that this is like an impossible choice to have to make but to have to make it with a big giant cockroach basically right so really powerful stuff um which which character was Trooper Salway? Was that the Indig or was that the tough guy? That was probably the tough guy because I think it was like DeLong was the Indig. Okay. So Salway, the actor who plays Salway was actually uh, Dr. Moon from Silence in the Library. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very different character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Colin Salmon. Uh, that's, that's Dr. Moon. Interesting. Does uh, it list a DeLong in there? I don't want to yeah, make yeah, sure DeLong we're not is, is yeah, DeLong is Daniel Anthony. Yeah. Um, who is apparently in the Sarah Jane adventures. So I liked, I liked him talking about, you know, his grandfather was, you know, sort of like the last generation of these indigs, right. You know, before the colonists came in and he was very proud of this whole ritual that they had and, you can't imagine, and you get you get snippets of the grandfather's voice. Yeah, throughout. at the beginning and then throughout. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but I mean the bit where um, you know where we're talking to the dying queen, saying she's like lost control of, you know of the of the Warren because they've been you know basically coming out of cows, and they just they don't they don't have a mind they just know to conquer and and survive and have no kind of tact about you know any kind of dealings with, with human beings, with humanity, um, to then have that moment where the doctor goes in, like everyone's sleeping, they're waiting for the dawn and, uh, talks to, uh, this, this woman that used to be, you know, an admiral who used to be fighting these things. That was her life. Um, and for her to realize that she's, you know, she's dying. She senses the blackness coming in, which they say is like the blackness of space, which is a, such a big part of the, the life cycle of the Warren that they can go out into the vacuum of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, you know, it's very touching. You know, he says, I'm, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but like, like it, it's not like he can do anything about it. This is sort of, it's the process is happening. Right. Um, and then you get, and, and so really heavy stuff. And then you get, get Lucy with the levity where she comes in to, uh, to see the, the dying queen and you've got all these Warrens scuttling around that have been trying to kill them for this whole time. And and, and she's like, oh, oh, it talks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and she, she makes reference to uh, to her centipede friend from series two. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, this was the story that, I mean, I thought that the audio production was great throughout this series. But this story, oh, my goodness. Um it's yeah. the audio production in, in this story. In this story is unbelievable. That whole that off, whole sequence where they're where uh, Lucy and the Doctor are sort of like in spacesuits, yeah. lost in space. Oh boy! Yeah, and it's like you know. I excellent. hope they have jetpacks. I hope that you know. And yeah, and then there's oh, that bit it, where like 
she can't hear the doctor through her speaker. She can hear him like shouting through his spacesuit, you know? Right. It's just to hit the blue button with her chin. Right, right. Oh, it's so good. It's really, really good. Really put you there. Mm-hmm. Um, really uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff from uh, JB, Jamie Robertson is the, the post-production guy's name. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, really excellent stuff. This um, is stuff like, I mean, it's such a cliche like on, on TV when they talk about like, you know, old time radio and they have like, you know, a, a big long saw and they wobble it to make it sound like, you know, thunder and lightning and stuff. And, right. Um, the stuff that they do is just so sophisticated and it it really it's it's so important to create a sense of setting um it's not just like sound effects like you know laser guns going off and stuff it's like putting you in a place and creating that sense of of, of atmosphere the you know the ambiance and and um i just my, my, you know my hat is off to those guys they 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 do magic it's i think it's it's actual magic what they do <laughs> Um, all right, so that that pretty much wraps up the the first half of uh, ser- of series three of the Eighth Doctor Adventures with Lucy Miller. Um, really, really strong first half. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the second half, which is the scapegoat, the cannibalists, the eight truths, and World Wide Web. Um, so uh, lots of things to look forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to this one, The Cannibalists, which sounds like a horrifying thing. Yeah. It's actually a really fun episode with tiny little robots in it. Yeah, little bickering robots. I, I remember that one well. So yeah, I'm me too. To that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll be back to finish this up in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Paul, you're in lots of places. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, where where um, can people find you? You mentioned you mentioned Fuzzy Typewriter uh, recently. We're actually going to be bringing that back sometime soon. Dave oh, got a good. new microphone. Yeah, we're going to be doing some stuff. Um, good. I'm not exactly sure what the first thing will be, but I know um, coming up is is the final episodes of Mad Men, so we'll probably be doing those. Um, in addition sense. to some other things, so we'll do some Mad Men. We'll do some some movies and stuff. Um, my favorite things that you guys ever did were uh, when you would pick like a movie series that you had never seen. And yeah. went through. You'd go through it. You did it. The Planet of the Apes ones were really good. The Rocky ones were especially good. Thank you. Um, and we did, we did Alien as well. And you did Alien, um, right. That was my first, you know, viewing of those Alien movies. Like, I, again, like I saw snippets of them before that, but mm-hmm. like actually sitting down as an adult and watching from start to finish. Um, I got into Aliens late, but I, I love that series now. Um, so yeah, so that and and you can go back and listen to all that stuff. Um, yep. But yeah, we'll be doing more of that, and we'll probably pick a new a new film series to do because uh, those were fun. Um, uh, also, I'm the consulting editor over at Panels.net, uh, which is a fun and inclusive community for uh, for comic book talk. Uh, Scott is one of our great contributors. Uh, I don't know about great, but I am a contributor. Well, you do some you do some great stuff. What 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 are you working on coming up for that? For, uh, for us that I don't know. Actually, I'm I'm in between things. Um, You're going to do Daredevil stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely going to do some Daredevil stuff when that hits uh, next month. Um, although we're we're still trying to figure out exactly the format that we want to take that on as uh, me and uh, Pre. Yeah, it's it's exciting times because um, you know that's it's going to be all those episodes all at once, all dropping right. at the same time. So. 
you know, we've been doing a lot of play by play on on TV shows like The Flash and, and Arrow and Gotham and 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 things like that. But for everything to drop all at once, like how do you how do you tackle that? Right. You know, in, in terms of recaps and reviews. So, um, but uh, I'm excited for your for your coverage of that. That that latest trailer looks awesome. Oh man, does it? So and uh, and in addition to panels, of course, is our official podcast, uh, O Comics, uh, with uh, with Preethi Chibber, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of fun talking about comics and uh, not hating on things, just uh, talking about what we love and um, celebrating comics, the people who make them and the people who love them. So that's that's what I'm up to. Yeah, uh, lots of good things. Go go check out all of those things, guys. And if uh, you have thoughts that you want to share on the stories that we talked about, find the post of this episode on the doctorscompanion.us and leave a comment or you can send us an email tdcpodcast at gmail.com if you are on twitter make sure that you follow at tdcpodcast so you'll know the second a new episode hits or you can follow our personal accounts i'm at scott corelli and paul is at fuzzy typewriter that's right and if you like the show do us a favor and review us on itunes it really helps us out uh, especially in these uh, in these dark times when there's no <laughs> in these, there's no new episodes, uh, people tend to forget that we still uh, we, we're still making content. Um, it, it's so funny because every time a new series hits, like uh, our numbers just triple. We get an uptick. That's oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like huge uptick. Um, mm. kind of crazy. Uh, and of course, uh, most importantly, be our street team. Just get out there, tell people we exist, and that they should be listening. Um, next time I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about, uh, the King's demons, which is a fifth doctor story, um, which I'll be covering with Cassandra Fredrickson. And then the week after that, Paul will be back to talk about part two of uh, series three. So right on. Yeah. Um, so we will uh, talk to you then. Bye everybody. See ya. See ya.